um, I want to share a few thoughts with, with you today about the awakening that's going on at the moment. We're in a, a season here where actually we don't know whether we're coming or going because it's fast. And um, we are thrilled to be on this journey. But because we've never been this road before, everything seems to be new. And that's a scary place to be, isn't it? You make decisions and you set yourself a course of action, but it all looks a little bit unfamiliar. Some of you have made decisions to do things this year and you don't yet know what it's going to look like. Some of you have moved house this year. Some of you are planning to move house. Some of you have just retired. All the things, the land that looks that's ahead of us, even if we think, well, it's just going to be the same as it was last week and the week before, it actually might not be because the Lord might have some plans for us that we don't yet know about. I received an email, and this is what's prompted um, me to start on this journey of what I want to share this morning. Um, this is a friend of the ministry who has set up, and uh, uh, some of you will know him, but so he's set up a website to track the revivals that are going on in the world. And he sent this email out to leaders and those on his, on his email list. Um, and it's quite exciting. So let me read it to you. Dear pastor, prophet, or leader, that's you, okay? Most of you know that revival and awakening has been on my heart for several years now, and I'm sure you've heard many prophecies over the last two years that revival is coming. Yes? Well, that season is upon us, he says. An awakening has been apparent in many parts of the world for a year or more. The underground church and government churches in China, Brazil, India, Pakistan, Indonesia, Mozambique, and Uganda, to name a few. That's worth a hallelujah. I believe it is clear that the billion soul revival, as prophesied by Bob Jones, is with us. It has been noticeable, though, that there has been little happening in the West, America, and Europe. Uh-oh, we are the weakest link. However, this has now changed. This week, I came back from the fire and glory outpouring in San Diego. It has been going on for 89 nights, six nights a week, and each meeting can be viewed at this website, which you can have off me afterwards if you want to look at it. This is for the equipping of the harvesters and was prophesied by James Goll in January. I hope you're getting excited. A sister outpouring has been going on for 40 days, four nights a week in Seattle and can be viewed here. <laughs> there you go. Heather's excited about that one. Then since March, there ha I don't know whether you've, you, I knew about this, but I don't know whether you've heard about this. Since March, there has been a full scale awakening in West Virginia with hundreds of students coming to the Lord. There are whole campuses where the Lord is just moving and there's, there's sweep, they're being swept in hundreds at a time. I mean, serious conversions of young people. It makes me, it makes me go all sh shivery and goose, goose bumpy. <laughs> so you can view that at this website. So I've got all these websites if you want them. Today, I've discovered that something else is beginning in Edmonton, Canada. Now, listen, through Todd Bentley. Don't shoot the messenger. He has announced that he is extending his conference by a week. So, 
It is now our turn and the turn of Europe. I personally have not heard of anything breaking out here in the UK apart from Coleraine in Ireland last year, but perhaps you know different. If so, please let me know. It is not a guarantee that the awakening will hit us. It is up to us. We have to take a risk and step into what God is doing. There is a significant personal cost in putting, our meeting, putting on meetings every night or several times a week, but I believe this will happen here soon. This is a time when we need to work out where God wants us in the revival. There is no more time. It is at our door. So I urge you to switch to revival mode. Revival mode. I don't know how you do that, but we're going to ask the Lord to do it for us today. I do not know about you, but I am not going to let this awakening pass us by. If there were the demand, I would open up my house to worship and prayer every night. Well... We can open this house to worship and prayer every night. Who was part of the 50 days of worship and 50 days of prayer? That was a significant season for us. Every day at six o'clock in the evening, we were here for 50 days consecutive. And what moments of, of encounter we had. Yes? <clears throat> We've got to know what the Lord's saying. I know each one of you are doing wonderful things, but I'm writing to you to urge you, if you're not already doing it, prepare for revival. Preparation, preparation. So when you see something breaking out, please let me know as I want to record it on my website, which is www.ukawakening.org, which I have set up for this purpose. You may have those website addresses afterwards if you want to. So just a few thoughts. I've called the sermon this morning, and it's not all mine, but you'll like it. Uh, What is that smell? Because <clears throat> I like perfume. You know, you just put me through duty-free or, yeah, I'm in heaven. I could bath in it. I like perfume. But when somebody is cooking, have you ever asked the question, what's that? What's that smell? Bacon is the, the biggie, isn't it? You know, you go past a, a, a yeah, or <laughs> that's a good idea. What's that smell? Because... Your senses are heightened by your hunger. I'm going somewhere this morning, so stick with me. Spiritual hunger is what I want to talk about, and it won't be very long. Hungry folks have inquiring minds. What's that smell? What are you cooking? I can smell tomato in there. I can smell chili in there. I can smell onion in there. I can smell some meat. But what really will it be when we've finished? Because you don't say, oh, I'm, tonight, tonight I'm cooking for you onions and tomato and chili and spinach. You say what the dish is, don't you? You say what the end result is. The Lord's cooking something up here. <laughs> it's going to end up in revival, but we're not there yet. He's doing something in getting some ingredients together. Hungry folks have inquiring minds. Would you agree? <clears throat> when will it be ready? Can I have a taste now? There's a, there's a, a depending on the level of hunger, the persistency increases. Hungry people have questions. Full people just have comments. And I remember, if you remember Martha Lucia, she taught us a great, a great uh, thing to keep asking. You know, as any of us as believers, the Lord is after our hearts, but he wants us to desire him. 
And she used to say this often. Martha is the, the lady that taught us spiritual warfare, released that war mantle on us and taught us lots of things. But she says, I just keep asking the Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? Keep asking the Lord questions because it will start to increase your hunger and your appetite for the things of God. Hunger keeps you asking. Traditionally, people, families get together over a meal because over that meal and the tasting of the meal, you have time to talk and ask questions, to deliberate, to search out and to inquire of one another. Are you still with me? So hunger keeps you asking. In the Gospels, we see that the disciples were loaded with questions. Constantly, after a full day of ministry, asking Jesus, everything they saw and did stirred up more interest in them. Who, what, where, how? Questions were the standard, and Jesus always served up more than their answer that they thought they wanted. Jesus has a way of answering you beyond what you're asking. He has a way of filling you beyond what you think you need. Amen? You can shout out at me. I might go quicker if I think you're getting it. So, disciples. A disciple of Jesus will ask him lots of things. Why this? Why that? How come? What if? The disciples never ran out of questions and Jesus was never tired of answering. It is an indicator of spiritual hunger. Have you got questions? Great. It means you're hungry. Hunger also awakens your senses. Yes? A sizzling steak smells very good to the satisfied, but it is tantalizing to the famished. You can smell something cooking and you're already hungry and suddenly you hear this, where did that come from? Because what you've smelled actually increases your appetite and your hunger. Don't they say that you should never go shopping on an empty stomach? You know why? Because your hunger drives you to buy stuff that you're never ever going to eat because you've already got what you need to eat cooking or you've got your sandwich at home. But if you go on an empty stomach, you will buy things that you didn't intend to buy. I went into town yesterday. This is just a side issue. And I, and I, Steve and I like to go away in the caravan, you know, and I saw this little baby pot of peanut butter, which is just, just lovely for our caravan. And I, and I carried it all around the shop and I talked myself out of it. I thought, why am I buying? This is just, just a thought. I think I'll buy this. So I went and put it back. Good discipline, Jenny. You need to know that's discipline. For me to put something back on the shelf, that's very, I'm learning. Yeah. I know, but it's a start, Steve. It's a start. It could be shoes next month. It could be, yeah. <laughs> and nothing, no, no, nothing, nothing. I did look, but I didn't, I didn't touch. When you're hungry, you can smell the individual seasonings, the fat, as well as all other things. You can smell everything. Hunger gives new eyes to the smeller. Dull spiritual senses are an indication of complacency and satisfaction. Dull spiritual senses are an indication of complacency and satisfaction with status quo. And this is what the Lord says in Matthew. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear, hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and then turn and I would heal them. Oh, if that is not a revival scripture, I don't know what is. 
We quote a lot, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and repent and all that, and I will turn and heal their land. But look at that. Their heart has become calloused. Why? Because they've satisfied their heart with something that isn't me. Dull spiritual senses are indicative of complacency and satisfaction with status quo, or you could put there with other things. Isaiah 48 verse 6, I don't know whether I've got it down here, says this. You have heard, no, that's, yes, look at this. And will you not declare it? I proclaim to you new things from this time, even hidden things which you have not known. I'm here to tell you this morning, there's more than what you see and experience in these four walls right now. And it isn't just about numbers joining us. It's about a revelation of him and something that will propel you into your destiny and into where you're supposed to be with him. If it doesn't have Jesus at the center and the focus, then it's not worth it. Because at the end of the day, what are we living for? We've got to create or ask the Lord to put in us a desire and a hunger beyond what we have today to see revival in the way that we need to see it and want to see it. Some of the things that I read on that piece of paper are a result of hours and hours and hours of laborers and ministers standing in the place of prayer and intercession and worship and honor of the king so that he can't do anything but press out and heal the masses, and bring the masses in. So we want to partner with him at a greater level. The word hunger, the hungry, smell it, inquire of it, taste of it. The word hunger can spark off all all kinds of other thoughts and words. See if any of these translate into spiritual hunger for you. What about stirring, motivation, passion? That's great. Craving, desire, desperation. Well, we can go with all them. What about this one? Discomfort. When I have been at my most hungriest, I can get like a bear with a sore head. I can growl. I can be irritable because something is irritating me on the inside that I have to satisfy. Yeah? And that can be discomforting. Is there a discomfort in us for the status quo and what we've got right now? No. 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 When I read about people going further, longer, higher, you know, coming into a church building, spending all night in prayer, I think, oh, that's great. Oh, that's great. That would be great if that was happening. But that's wrong. It should be. Why aren't you? (laughs) Hello? You know, uh, Eulalie was was with us a few months ago. And when I went over to Guyana, she was telling me that the church that is nothing's happening in the church right now but when she was there uh 20 odd years ago 25 30 years ago she said they would bring people from the hospital to have me pray for them she said cancers tumors physical things she said it was incredible the the revival this massive church and she says it was full from the rafters and she said the, the miracles and the signs and the wonders and the things that the Lord was doing. I said, that's incredible. But she said, people didn't realize that right there, I would spend all night in prayer, 
crying out to him. We would go days and days, yearning, craving, gnawing, searching, desiring, desperate. Is he a God that will not respond? No. I'm, I'm talking to me now, but I'm saying, is there a place in us where we could get to where he's all satisfying everything in us? Or are there other things that are satisfying us? While these words describe hunger, they don't just satisfy spiritual hunger because hunger's true nature and definition is that hunger is something that is put in us as our nature we have to uh, that hunger for food is put there it's primal it's the most basic instinct of any living creature it's inherent to the nature of any living being hunger is a natural response to a living being's requirement it's in the physical realm hunger happens it says there more than once a week it happens daily multiple times daily in healthy circumstances because it's one of the basic survival drives of life now if you if you need if god's put that on the inside of us to actually cause us to stay alive ooh let's now translate that into where we are spiritually if you do not feel a hunger for the things of God, the question is this, are you alive? Because that instinct to stay alive is driven by your hunger for food and water. And if you don't know what it feels like to hunger and thirst after God, that's the first place to stay, this, to come this morning, isn't it? If it's, well, I, I sometimes feel hungry for you and I sometimes get that little bit of a nudge that I should have my quiet time, me every day with Jesus or me every day with Selwyn News or whoever your, your devotional is with. You know, if there's no desire and drive to push up above status quo, above norm, above every other body, if there's nothing that presses you through, we've got to hold our hands up and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. It is primal for every living creature. It's, it is not externally triggered. Spiritual hunger cannot be created to stir people to action. That's why I'm taking my time this morning. Because actually, I can't motivate you to be hungry in God. I could, I could make a nice meal here, and you could smell the meal, and you, you, could, you could be... You could be uh, uh, stirred to want to eat because I, I, I put a meal out. But actually, the only way that you can be stirred spiritually is for him to make you hungry. But you've got to want to ask him to make you hungry and thirsty. So it cannot be created by trying to stir people to action. Most of what we witness in meetings focused on spiritual hunger, it's only whetting the appetite. An appetite has to already exist before it can be wetted. Could this explain why people can sit in services where the Lord visits with amazing power only to return home just as empty or even emptier than when they came? 
If spiritual hunger is, a pri- is primal for every living creature, why do some seemingly have no appetite for the presence of God? Probably because they're not alive or because they're receiving nourishment from another source. <sighs> they sit at the father's banqueting table to push away the plate, saying their spirit has already been satisfied. You can't force them to eat, nor can you whet their appetite at this point. They sit at the table, digesting the fodder of, his, of the world. So for whom do they live? This is what Jesus said. He said, I'm the bread of life. He said this, he who comes to me will never go hungry and he who believes in me will never go thirsty. And yet he can satisfy us with himself and still cause us to hunger for more. Because he's God and because he knows how to get to us. And he's after our hearts today. He's after our 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 hearts to be poured out to him, but also that he might be the one that satisfies and we know he's the one that satisfies. The Lord knew we had a choice of where we would go for nourishment and he wasn't, say, he wasn't saying we only need to eat once. He says his promise is that we would never fail to have a fresh supply from the one who is our source. So final question is, where are you going to be satisfied And how hungry are you for him? I want us to just ask the Lord simply, set a new passion, fire within me and teach me how to position myself for the coming revival. Because if we can see it, we can have it. I've lived 30, how many years in Burton-on-Trent? I'm 50-something now, and I was, came when I was six, probably nearly 50 years. I think after 50 years, it's about time I saw some revival. For this nation, we have to see a turn. If he can do it in Brazil and Indonesia and Mozambique, and if he can do it in Uganda, and if he can start doing it in Canada and, and West Virginia, what about now here? What about this place? What about if we talk about having an open portal and a a heaven over us, then Lord, come and search us out. See us even this morning saying, do a work in us. So Lord, we say this morning, we're here on your agenda. We don't want church as usual and we do want to encounter you. Yes, Lord.